And now, The Rika Show, presented by Rika Technologies with your hosts, Cynthia Delaria, Daryl Brogdon, and Grant Parks. Hey, everybody. This is Cynthia, Daryl, and Grant of The Rika Show from Rika Technologies. Uh, today, we are, we have been in the throes of learning native script, and we thought we'd take some time and talk about our experience and, you know, and that might lead to a broader discussion about frameworks, which we generally tend to use as four-letter word around this place. Um, <laughs> so without further ado. <laughs> F-R-A-M-E-W-O-R-K-N. Okay. Ten, right? Ten, ten, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so we started working with NativeScript about a year ago, I would say. Not oh, on a almost. project. Yeah, we were just kind of We were just kind of exploring it. and investigating. And um, recently, one of our clients, actually, uh, our, our sister blog, Incubate This, which is sponsored by gotanappidea.com. Um, we love free advertising on the Rika show. It's just like the best thing ever. Um, <laughs> uh, we did a, a session with William... Lupesco, who's uh, from PubTech. We talked about PubTech on one of our previous episodes. And um, when we started getting to the point, originally when we first started working on the prototype device with him, um, we only had an iOS version of the app. And that was because William did the first version of the app, and iOS was what he, he, he had a Mac, he had an, he had an iPhone, and so that was what he learned. That was what he worked with. So we moved the iOS app forward, did a couple of redesigns, whatever, and we got to the point where we were at the next phase where we were ready to start delivering on the Indiegogo campaign uh, devices, and, and there were a lot more people out of that 250 or whatever it is who have Android. And we knew that Android was always going to be something that we were going to have to develop. Um, we just weren't sure when the right time was going to be. Well, the Indiegogo campaign was very successful. Now, all of a sudden, we had 100 and something people who were buying devices who had Android. And we said, okay, do we do native Android development just like we've done native iOS development? And then we know that every time we do an update to the app, we have to do it twice. Or do we pursue native script, which is a, they, they bill it as sort of like HTML and CSS and JavaScript. And there I go with the freaking air quotes again. <laughs> Stop doing that. Do I talk like that in everyday life too? No. When don't I you don't. use air quotes? <laughs> I, thank you. <laughs> Do you remember that episode of Friends where Joey's trying to use yeah. the air quotes and he never uses it right? And he's like, he's like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and Ross is not using it right, Joe. And he goes, <laughs> and then finally at the end of the episode, he gets it right. And Ross goes, see, that? That's you got it. And he goes, thanks. <laughs> it's right up there with Moo Point. Yes. It's, a, it's like a cow's opinion. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so NativeScript is billed as HTML, JavaScript, and CSS, the way that you would write like a web app. I would say that in our experience, it's not quite like that. Not yeah, all. Yeah, it's not a full implementation of CSS for sure. Yeah, it's definitely not. Admission. Definitely not a full implementation of CSS. But you're also not really writing in HTML. I mean, it's no, it's, it's not, XML, XML that 
kind of has some traits of HTML. Yeah. But um, it's really it's really not. And even the JavaScript, you can't really do everything. Like one of the things that we ran up against was on the PubTech app. There's this gauge, okay, and it, it's it looks like a little like a little dial. Like a gauge. And wherever your heat index value is, the needle on the dial moves to show you, you know, relative to comfortable, too cold, too hot, whatever. Where am I on the gauge? Did you just do it? <laughs> so you do it so much, I don't even know. I know. <laughs> Um, we originally thought because we had to build a version of this gauge that lives on the PubTech portal, like where, where you manage your account and you can see all of your devices and you can kind of see all of your different statuses of your devices next to each other. We had to build this thing in JavaScript. And so we said, oh, wouldn't it be fantastic if we just take that maybe tweak it a little bit, stick it in the native script app and that suffices for both. Well, then we found out that it doesn't actually support the canvas. So can how long has the canvas tag been around it's in It's been around the, quite HTML? a while. And I think we were probably running into a bug because they say it does support it, but um, we just could never get it to work. No, um, not without a plugin. Yeah, we needed some kind of plugin or something. And even then, it, the and drawing it, it never really right worked. And yeah. yeah. And that's the thing with all the mobile development is you find things saying, this is how you do this, and you do this, and it's like, no, this doesn't work. No. Flat out doesn't work, but a lot of that I think is because things are changing so much. But it's really, I mean, the state of the tools is so sadly terrible. It really is. It's terrible. Um, almost everything that you use to do mobile development does not work out of the box the way the tutorial or the blog or whatever you're reading says it should. Yeah. Um, and then you start looking, oh, well, this tutorial's six months old and there was a change in this. and oh, you need a new version of NPM to be compatible with that. And, <laughs> oh, I need to go find that where they stick the configuration file for that and make that change so that it doesn't... The next thing you know, you're disgusting. wiping out your it's entire NPM directory, uninstalling NPM, uninstalling Node, reinstalling it just to get that one little thing to work. Yeah, it just... It's, uh, yeah, it's really... It's almost like because there's such a race from that end to be a provider of platform tool framework that they're just not putting good stuff out there. I mean, this was acceptable to me back in the 80s um, and 90s, but it's not really acceptable now. <laughs> I mean, these people should really be ashamed of themselves. That's my opinion. They should be embarrassed. They should not be patting themselves on the back yet. Yeah. They should be and working 24-7 to make these things actually friggin' work. And we're not we're not just talking about native script with that. We're saying any kind of pretty much tool, tool framework platform. I mean, there's so many. We we run up we run into this all the time where we're like, okay, this thing says that it solves this problem that we're trying to solve. So we're going to go you know explore that and install it. You follow like you're saying you know a, a walkthrough or a or a, um, a tutorial tutorial or something yeah. like that. And they just, they don't work. And what's more to the point, oftentimes the people providing the software, we run into this with NativeScript all the time where they, they say something's possible in their API documents. They give you no examples mm -hmm. of it. And so you have to go out into the wild. And it is like the Wild West out there on Stack, you know, stack Overflow, right? Where some guy <laughs> somewhere... 
got it to work for himself. And so he posts a tutorial or whatever on whether it's on Medium or his blog or Stack, Stack Overflow or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's all you have. Yeah. And you're, you're trying to figure out, you know, I mean, not that we aren't all smart developers, but you're trying to figure out from this, you know, what he thought was important. The places where he got hung up are the things that he talks about. But maybe he totally, you know, this one, this one line is like the key to everything and he doesn't explain it at all. Or what was the thing we ran into yesterday um, where it said, click this button in oh. Android Studio and Android Studio doesn't have that button anymore? Yeah. And this tutorial couldn't have been that old. No, this tutorial was maybe two or three months old. Yeah. But they reworked, you know, I just got an update for Android Studio like two weeks ago, and now the button's not there. So the last time I was following this tutorial to figure out how to export this jar, mm-hmm. the button was there, and I clicked the button, and it did what I needed it to do. Well, now you don't have to do that because it does it in the background. But without the button or something, I, I was like totally stuck on this step. And then again, we got like three more steps down, and I'm like, why is the jar not updating in the plugin in Native Script? Because you have to manually move the jar, and it's one line that's like hidden in this paragraph that's talking about something totally different. Yeah. That's well, they don't really put out documentation anymore. They put out tutorials. Yeah. So there are no like specs that you can go to and say, what type of argument does that thing take? Yeah. You, ha- you have to infer from everything. Mm-hmm. All you get is a bunch of people do, and, and they're all using it differently. None, you know, you don't know what it, what's the best practice, but flat out, you can't get documentation on most of these things. Yeah. You flat out can't. You have to open up the code to figure out. And with JavaScript, that's really hard to do because of the meta nature that some people get into programming where all you're looking at is a bunch of applies. <laughs> you know, calls and applies, and you're like, I don't really know what it's doing here. Um, but it, it really it pisses me off that you know you can't give me documentation that shows me function signatures and what things take. You're just going to give me an example. And, and yeah, with native script, they don't even have examples. No. They give a syntax s- statement, basically. Right. right. You don't know what it returns. You don't know how you'd use that. You don't know how you'd over, you know, yeah. change, the, change the behavior by passing something different in here. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's, I mean, native script isn't... It, <laughs> Yeah, they're trying to make it sound like it's web development because of the technologies being used. But hey, a bomb shelter and a house both have concrete. Yeah. They're very different. <laughs> and you know, such a great analogy. Um, you know, just because you're using a markup language and, and JavaScript and CS, which is, I mean, there is there is that okay, if you know how to code in JavaScript, you will be able to write the code mm-hmm. that's necessary for this. And you won't be confused by a lot of it, but yeah, the overall thing is not a, it's not like a web application. It's, it's very much frameworky in that you need to supply these points. Yeah. And the XML is going to have certain references in it, and then you're going to have to write some things to connect that reference to something over here to some code. It's essentially all event handlers, right? right. You're just yeah. wiring up a, a ton of event handler type a lot of concepts. And, yeah. Um, so there's that. And you, and you know, the thing I just realized, I've been thinking for a while, this, there's this big rise of TypeScript. Um, and I've not been able to figure out, because TypeScript really isn't all that different from JavaScript. No. It's basically JavaScript with, with types. types. Yeah. 
and I think I figured it out, Grant, mm -hmm. because there's no documentation, TypeScript gives the IDE the ability to provide um, IntelliSense. That's one reason why all these guys are in love with TypeScript, oh. because they have no documentation. The IDE is telling them what they need to put. I see. So they start typing what they and think they need, and then it gives them hints, and so then that's how they're getting to what's in mm -hmm. the framework or what's in the API. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought of that. Um, but I think Grant is 100% right. Uh, you, need, you, you have to have documentation no matter what. You yeah. have to have it. Yeah. And so many open source projects have always been really bad. The maintainers um, have always been bad about saying, well, it's open source, make the documentation. To which I argue, it's your project. You know it better than anybody else. You know, you as an individual or you as a core group uh, of, of developers of this project, you know it better than anybody else. You are in the best position to write the documentation for it. At least and get that kickstart. And then having it be open source and saying, you know, make the documentation better if you think there's something missing or you stumble sure. on something or, you know, great. But to say, here it is, go figure out how it works and then, and then document it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> why would I take the time and to do that? I would argue that one of the reasons, one of the big reasons why PHP took off the way it did because so many people hate PHP and they think it's such a terrible language, whatever, whatever your feeling on that is, one of the reasons I believe that it one, if you will. See, now you got me doing it. One of the reasons that it won was because they had great documentation for and a really still long do. time. And, still, and do. still do. I mean, you go, you type PHP and whatever it is you're looking for, mm -hmm. their documentation always comes up first. Mm -hmm. Always. And it was very, it was, it was maintained and groomed really well. Yeah. Uh, and probably still. We love PHP, one. by the way. I, I don't know why it got, I don't know why people. I think it's still no. every bit as popular as it ever was. It's just that the new shiny thing is Node and NPM and you know some of the other languages. And I don't want to detract from them, but I think you just don't hear about PHP anymore. But the, the fact of the matter is it's still just as wildly popular as it ever was because all these sites are built, built on WordPress. Yeah. You know, was uh, WordPress built on PHP? Yeah, WordPress is, is built in PHP. Facebook themselves, for the longest time, and as far as I know, still are heavy users of PHP. Hmm. Um, so, What were you going to say about that, Grant? About PHP and its popularity, or people hate oh, haters? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think we can. it's not hard to find the reasons why the people say that, because there's pages on the web that tell you why PHP sucks. <laughs> um, but... It's sort of like the the blemishes aren't aren't enough to make to make the overall suck when you add the documentation, the community, and it works the way it says it's going to work. Yeah, it's um, it's very time tested. Yeah, it does have its warts, and it's and it gets really faster weird, and faster. They maintain it pretty well. Yeah, it has gotten um, a lot faster with PHP. Yeah. And it's just got a, a shit ton of things in it in the language itself to do a lot of the things you need to do with data. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, with all the array functionality. Yeah, and you were talking about that the other day, how um, PHP, more than just about any language, their array functions are amazing. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, you were saying, we were, on a, we were on a call yesterday, and you were, you were talking to somebody else um, about PHP and saying that, Every time you see a for loop in PHP on an array, it makes you stop and go, I bet there's a built-in function that's way more efficient mm -hmm. for doing what I'm trying to do than a for loop. Yeah, for each loops on arrays in PHP became a code smell to me years ago. Like, 
you might there. I mean, and there, and there almost always is something that will do it so much shorter. And it's just that people aren't aware. You know, you have to stop yourself. And that's why making something a code smell to you is kind of good. That that's what that's for. Is like, I'm not. You know, let me look at what it's doing, and you know that forces you to go out and look at the reference and get a little more familiar. Because there's a lot of obscure stuff, probably in most programming languages that, you know, probably only 10% of the language is used for 80 or 90% of the coding. Yeah. Kind of thing. Maybe not 10%, but um, you know, a, a small portion. And there's that's what I always like to do is find, sometimes you find some of those unused or underused things that you're like, oh, wow, this actually does something that we have to do all the time in different ways. And if we start, if we learn how to use this comfortably and as a pattern, yeah. That used to be so much fun for me would, would be to go into the documentation, especially you know when I was first learning it, and see something, discover some, some function in the documentation coming back to their documentation and going, how does that work? And trying it out and having that wow moment of, yeah, oh, that, I can I've been writing here. this with a lot of yeah. code every time. Yeah. Just kind of exploring. Um, and I have not, I haven't found, I mean, even with Node uh, or even JavaScript, as long as I've been doing JavaScript, there's no, been no other language that really had that for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Other than PHP's documentation was really good. And what's interesting is there, there's this phenomenon now. I mean, obviously, we're talking about we're using native script, and we'll come back to that in a minute. But um, there's this phenomenon of coders relying very, very heavily on frameworks, mm -hmm. almost as a way of avoiding having to learn what a language does. Yeah. And what kind of developer does that lead to? I call them glue sticks. I know it's and, and it, it's intended as a pejorative, frankly. You know, I hate to do that, but if all you're doing is gluing other people's code together, you're nothing but a glorified glue stick. Yeah. You know, and and so many people don't <laughs> see it, uh, you know, and they get mad and understandably because whatever. Well, I but think more accurately, it would be like configuration versus programming. Yeah. Oh, that was ext.js. Yeah. All you did was write configuration files, and it built something terrible. <laughs> from your configuration file. And really, I mean, like, okay, getting back to native script, I mean, I just wanted to, I need to stumble on the right patterns that I like. I mean, you know, I've already seen that, like, wow, that main function that everybody uses, it's really one line if you write it in one line instead of five lines. Why does everybody write it in five lines? Yeah. There's no reason for that. Yeah. It's one line. Because it was five lines on Stack Overflow. It was five lines and some early <laughs> tutorials to show you every step of the way what you're doing. And that's what everybody's doing now. And I'm, when I looked at it, it was just like, that's just one line. It really is. Yeah. It's a one of, you know, using the, the fat arrow ES6 syntax, it's, it's a one line function with no curly braces around it. It's one statement. <laughs> parens arrow one statement done yeah. why is it this you know and that's that probably speaks to the people who are like i don't know programming but i can follow tutorials right yeah. and i can even write tutorials now i still don't know programming oh that's, that happens that's, way you know, too much the, the people who are writing lots and lots of blogs and tutorials are not doing a lot of doing the work they're writing they're spending time writing authoring Becoming that's not where you want to learn your programming you know, and that's, that's the problem with the modern web is that a lot of people who have learned have learned from other people who learned from other people who learned from other people. None of them ever went to school. None of them ever 
uh, was mentored by an experienced computer science person. They all learn by reading other people's articles. And all those people that are writing those articles are not doing as much programming as writing articles. So you just have proliferation of the mediocrity. Interesting. Prolifer so. <laughs> proliferation of the non-understanding. So, so you have the world of program, I'm using the air quotes on purpose this time, programmers who are actually just blogging and tutorial writing, yeah. who really aren't programmers. And then you have programmers who don't have time to be writing tutorials and blogging. We say this all the time. We're like, man, we should go out and put some of this stuff out in the web so that people actually know how the hell this works. Yeah. And we're too busy writing code. But to set the stage, I think it's important to set the stage here. You know, Grant's talking about that, but you know, you got your start, you cut your teeth on things like assembly and C and these really low level systems, right? I mean, it's, it's not like you're coming at this from the standpoint of PHP was the first language I ever learned, and so that's why I think it's great. It's you see the value in it, and you did other things before, long before. I mean, you did. ASP, I think, for a long time before you came to PHP, uh, COBOL, some other things. A few years. I definitely did, yeah, did the COBOL and a lot of mainframe stuff. But, yeah, I mean. And all that time you were writing code in all these languages, especially low-level level languages, you weren't out blogging in part because there was no such thing at the time. Yeah, I mean, there was a whole era of people did not share what they knew because it, it was a competitive advantage. Mm-hmm because people were still figuring out how to make things talk to each other, and that's before TCP IP was a standard and all that stuff. But, um, you know, just my point is that I've, I've encountered a lot of people now that their knowledge comes from things, from content on the web, and the people who produce that content are not excellent technical, technical people. Mm. And they've actually gotten to the point where the blogging is the, the reason to be. Right. I mean, yeah. I have read so many articles on Medium and elsewhere that are being, if you're a programmer and you're not blogging, you're messing yourself over. You need to be focusing on, and it's like, how you about focusing on being your good yeah. at what you do? And I think anybody who is telling these people to all blog is doing them a disservice. It's like, no, if you want to be a good programmer, go be a good programmer. If you want to be a good writer, be a good writer. Um, you can do some of, some of both, but to say let's focus on, on, you know, you're focusing on popularizing yourself. Yeah. And that's what, because the web is such a broad medium and such a, you know, it's yeah. out there, is, is that that's become the focus, is, is sort of like software development has sort of overlapped with, you know, like sports stars, et cetera, being popular or, or business mogul, like a Bill Gates or a Jeff Bezos, it's all morphed into, gosh, if I can learn enough technical stuff to start writing about technical stuff, I can be one of those guys. And it's like, no, those guys all created stuff. Yeah. They didn't write about creating stuff <laughs> until they had created stuff. But you're all trying to jump the gun. Anyway. You know, you know what that is, is it's, it's, the, it's the build your brand, right? These people are taking the build your brand to the extreme. Well, yeah, that's and what I'm, it doesn't even matter if it's this much or this much. Right, that's it's not build what your this, brand. That's not what this profession is. Right. I mean, if you're a plumber, do people tell you, oh man, if you're a good plumber, you need to be writing a blog. <laughs> that's not the first thing they tell them. Why? Because they're plumbers. Right. And they want to know, they want to be problems. better at plumbing. 
yeah. and do more plumbing and plumbing work for people. But everybody's not telling Which, them, oh, man, God you did a plumbing guys. blog. <laughs> um, why is it that if you're in software, it automatically means, oh, you need to be authoring and you need right. to be out there. You know, it, it's, do you want to do this or do you want to be famous for doing this? And if you want to be famous for doing this, you're probably not going to do this really all that well. You're just going to do it the loudest. Mm -hmm. I'd be curious to know if the industry has started selecting for those people, uh, meaning these guys are finding that they're actually getting jobs because they're writing all these blogs and so they're showing up on the web so that when you search for them and you, you get their resume and you search for this guy <coughs> and you see, oh, he's written all these blogs and maybe you think, you know. I don't think that's affecting hiring. You don't think so? No, okay. I think, excuse me, we've been in enough companies and done enough interviews. Um, Nobody gives a crap about that. So, so clue one, guys, if you're all focused on your blogging, it's not going to do you any good professionally because nobody looks at that crap because they see that a million other people are doing it. It doesn't set you apart yeah. unless you're doing something revolutionary, in which case you've already done the revolutionary work. Write about it. That's great. So there are some guys. But I remember if you're trying to figure out how to do a to-do list so that you can write a tutorial about doing a to-do list, you're going about this all wrong. What's the one guy you talked about that he actually does does do that, and he does know what he's talking about? I feel like it's it's in the in Node or JavaScript. It's the field. React guy. Oh, okay. And that's why everybody does to do lists. Ridiculous stuff. Um, but yeah, if if your purpose to learn a particular thing in programming is so that you can write about it to show how you learned it. I, I just don't respect that. Just learn it. But you're going in it with a goal of over here. You know? I mean, it's like saying, I want to play in the football game so that I can get the cheerleader, not so I can win the football game. Right, so I can learn I'm not really playing. Sport. I'm yeah. showing something off. Right, right. And that's, that's the difference is, you know, yeah. you're not really in the game yet. So what, so you said, you were talking earlier about um, the competitive advantage for some of the earlier languages that you were involved in, Assembler, COBOL, before TCPIP, was having the knowledge, and that was the competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. What's the competitive advantage now? I mean, somebody who has a particular skill set has been a developer, you know, one of us walking into, I mean, I know what it is intellectually, mm -hmm. but what, what is the competitive advantage mm -hmm. for hiring one of us over hiring one of these guys who you know, is doing this other thing that we all really hate. Well, it's perfect that you asked that because I was going to jump in at any point and say the competitive advantage is always what it has been, which is the people, the intellect, and, you know, which, looking around, doesn't exist a whole lot in, mm -hmm. in many places. You see a lot of young people with a lot of tools and a lot of monitors, um, but it's <laughs> slapping together a bunch of tools and, you know, gluing stuff together does not make you uh, great at this. Yeah. And it certainly doesn't make you a creative thinker or, or you're not able... going to come up with something. No. You're, you know, you're going to come up with another tool wrapped around those tools, which happens all the time. Yeah. You know, I got to write a package that wraps around that guy's package. Why don't you just work together and make that one Better. do everything? Yeah. You know, do both things. Um, what was I? Competitive advantage. <laughs> um, 
you know, and it, it all boils down to the to the people. And I, I don't know how you find the right people. Um, I don't have the answer to that one, but it it's that's it. Well, how we find the right people is we we find people that we've worked with before, and we know That's what an their idea. work ethic is. You don't. Right? I, I don't know how to tell somebody to be like, oh, you need to hire a person. Here's what you need to do. Yeah. It's it's almost more it's almost more like oh you need to hire somebody. Let me see if I know somebody. Yeah. Who knows that or knows somebody who knows that? Yeah. Because um, I don't th- I don't know if there's a, a recipe for finding uh, great thinking. Are, 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 is this proliferation of frameworks perpetuating the, the ever-increasing amount of noise when you are trying to find someone? I mean, is it harder because there are frameworks and people can know the framework without actually knowing the underlying technology, which is really the thing you need them to know? I think it's noise and overall noise in the industry, not just in that sub-conversation. But um, you know, I was musing a couple years ago how much content on the web is actually telling you how to program the web. Mm. Might be the majority of content out there is technical content teaching you how to create more technical stuff, hmm. which is really kind of weird when you think about it. Is that meta? <laughs> um, no, it's eating your own dog food, but it's, but it's like, we were talking about this the other day, and it was like if you have a car that only drives to the grocery store, and that's all you can use it for. And I mean, wouldn't make that car very val- very worthwhile. If all the web is is to look up stuff about how to program the web, <laughs> what is the web for, really? Because yeah. you see what I mean? If you pull one side or the other out, there's no need for either of them. Yeah. It's kind of amazing that it has taken off the way it has because for cre- so long it was like that. One creates the need for the other and vice versa. So you're kind of like, wait a minute, maybe if we just all stop... We don't need any of this. <laughs> you know what the key ingredient is in all that, why it has taken off, why, and, well, and, and two, I don't think it's like that quite as much anymore. The key ingredient was porn. <laughs> it really was, right? We're all talking about how to build better websites, and these porn guys are going, all right, well, I'm going to learn that and put this porn out. And so that's, that way that's I can the stream it faster. Right, that's where the non-programmers were coming to the web and going, we're going to find but my porn But what's interesting better. as a parallel to what you're saying, the video industry... The, the whole Blu-ray versus what, what was... Uh, HD DVD, I H- think, or yeah. H- yeah, something like that. Whatever it was. That whole battle, yeah that came down to what porn used. Yeah. They used Same Blu-ray. Same for VHS versus Betamax. Versus Betamax, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so was, I, I was saying that now that's the case, that now there's more content on the web about programming the web. Oh, you think there is now? Yes. Oh, yeah. by far. Wow. When the web first came out, most of the content was content. Really? I'm trying to get something in front of you. I'm trying to get my real estate website in front of you. Yeah, that's all. I, that's okay. mostly what I. I mean, there's text documents about about technology, but there wasn't that much technology. Yeah. There was there was Unix and there was C. And a, a lot of the early web was actually mathematicians sharing algorithms and things like that. Yeah. I mean, or, you were or, using CGI. There wasn't much web programming actually. Yeah. That's true. You were writing some little shell scripts and HTML, but maybe I think Pearl, it's maybe now. C. Because there's so much many more technologies. Well, every time a new technology, a framework, TypeScript as a language, every time one of those, it's going to create a whole new industry that needs blogs and tutorials. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the newer ones are going to get all the attention, which is really dumb. Um, 
you yeah, know, at a, it, at a macro level, I sort think. Of like we only need the web so that because we need the web. That's yeah. kind of what I'm getting to now as to where, like, if only 10% of what's on the web is actually useful stuff that's not about the web, then maybe we don't need the web. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, well, maybe it should just be a big Amazon portal and a Google portal and you're done. I think at, the, at a macro level, Google we're, the search Amazon. we're pushing this technology that wasn't, we're trying to make, and I, I was guilty of this for the longest time, and this was my goal, was to make the web a great application interface and it turns out it was designed as a document interface right and so now we've been pushing for the last 10 to 12 15 years of making it a great application interface single page applications and all that and i think we're all realizing we're just bumping we're creating new ways to bump up against the fact that it wasn't designed to do this yeah. you know and so you, we have react and we have angular and we have all these other things that are trying to make it easier to do something it wasn't designed to do mm. do you think this is why the natural evolution of mobile apps at all because the web really can't it wasn't designed isn't good at the things that now we're building these mobile apps so it's in our hand it's it's easily accessible, which is the thing we love about the web. It's everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. It's right here where I need it. Mm -hmm. But it, these are platforms that were designed to do these more complex tasks and handle these more complex things. Ironically, we're still talking to a web server somewhere in most cases. Right. I don't know. This is it's interesting. Yeah, I don't think they were designed any differently. No. Probably. Because they looked at the browser. I mean, I don't, how do you have any other context at this point? Yeah. Then, you know, you had... 25 years of people doing, or 20 years of people doing stuff on the web, that's kind of your context, because you're thinking, this is what everybody's familiar with. This is how they interact with the world. So I'm not sure, I mean, really, is there any difference? No matter what you do, you are, it's mostly a communication thing. Yeah. Right? The, the delivery mechanism, I think, is getting data and presenting it. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. This conversation went devices, totally a different direction than I thought it would go. It's just physical constraints it seems to mostly boil down to. I don't think they thought about it, frankly. I don't, uh, you know, I mean, when the iPhone came happened. out, the, the Apple was not going to allow people to put apps on it. It was only going to be Apple putting apps on it. And people screamed so much, all the developers said, I want to write my own apps for this. Apple's like, well, we kind of have to. And then they realized Isn't how much money funny? they could make from the App Store. Um, but originally, funny? they didn't. They didn't want that. So I don't think they gave it a whole lot of thought. And you know, maybe to all of our detriment, that they didn't give it a whole lot of thought. Huh. Interesting. Initially, I mean, they've they've since clearly given it a lot of thought. But so is Google. All right. So since we started talking about NativeScript, I want to bring it back to that because okay. anybody who might have started watching this um, interested in a long time ago. yeah, they, <laughs> if you are still with us. Um, <laughs> Our, our finding and the thing that we were talking about yesterday when we were kind of reviewing this for ourselves is it is very useful and it is actually pretty good at doing most things. The last piece for us was because we couldn't find a way to do this gauge in NativeScript cross-platform, there, there was nothing, no plugins that existed that were really doing what we needed them to do. We said, okay, we're going to go explore because they say, well, you can write your own native script in each platform and import it and use it as part of the native script world. And if that was in fact true, and depending on how simple that process was, that sort of makes it 
very, very easy to default to in most cases using NativeScript for mobile app development mm -hmm. because you do have a single code base minus whatever you might have to do natively. And so we just were in the process of implementing these plugins that did this drawing for us to do to create these gauges and move these needles and things. And where we came to was you still need to have some skills in iOS and some skills in Android. And you do need to have the understanding of the platforms themselves. I would say that's still important because the event flows and the event chains and things like that, although NativeScript has abstracted a lot of that so that you don't have to know the difference, understanding the difference will help you debug your native script stuff a lot faster. Well, and even differences like the coordinate system how, that yes. you were talking about on Android is isn't it completely which now I'm getting from... totally different results on that. So I'm not I'm, oh, okay. I'm not willing to supposit anything about okay. that yet. Okay. <laughs> and that actually comes down to the difference between iOS and Android. Yeah. Um, but when we did figure out how to hook these things together, so that we did get you know the Android display on Android and the iOS display on iOS, I think we both were like wow, this actually really does what they say it's supposed to do. It does, surprisingly. I mean, I think we all went into it going, eh, we'll try it, but I don't have high expectations. But they, they do a pretty good job. And, and I think overall their documentation isn't terrible. Uh, it's, it's severely lacking when it comes to writing your own plugin, mm -hmm. that we, as we found. But yeah, they say, hey, you can write your own plugin. Good luck with that. Basically, yeah. Um, and we had to, we had to kind of cobble it together from these guys who wrote, you know, went out and figured out how to do this so they could write a tutorial about mm -hmm. it. But the reason, well, I think one of the reasons why that's the case is because most of the people using NativeScript either don't know how to write their own plugins and, and or don't want to know how. Mm -hmm. They want someone else to write that for them. Right. And there and are so a plethora of plugins already out there. But the reality is, is you're going to come across a problem that you're going to have to solve yourself that no one else has thought of yeah. or needed to think of. Yeah. And that's where... And I think that. that's where th this whole conversation really does relate back to this because what we're saying is it's all well and good that you go learn the hottest framework, that you understand how to write Angular or you can write in React or whatever. If you don't understand what's happening under the covers, what that thing was written in, all you have the ability to do is what that thing allows you to do. You can't extend it. You can't, you can't understand it in a fundamental way where does this bug come from. Mm -hmm. You know, how would I fix it? How would I get around it? Can I just... It comes down to framework versus library. I think that's why I love jQuery so much because you can use it as much or as little as you want to and it will help you as much or as little as you need it to. You don't have to... You don't write in jQuery, you know? And right. the reason it works well for all of us and we're really good with using jQuery is because we know how to do it in the DOM, okay? We don't have to do it in jQuery. We don't have to do it in jQuery. We can do it in JavaScript if we wanted. There are plenty of times. It's in a new t-shirt. Do it do in, it in the DOM. We do it in the DOM. <laughs> <laughs> I do it in the DOM. Do you do it in the DOM? Do it in the shadow DOM. In the shadow DOM. In the shadow DOM. Is that like the dark web? It's the virtual. It's the new thing. The vir well, the virtual DOM, right? No, I think Shadow DOM is a thing too. I don't know. So, I haven't read up on that a whole lot, if I'm being honest. But, but your point still stands. Yeah. You know, if you can't write that in in the language, and and you're not, you know, using framework is okay, especially especially if you're building. You need to build something really quick and dirty, and you know, sort of high level, really high level prototype. I think they're great for because mm -hmm. they can get you to, from zero to eighty percent really fast. You just need to understand that that last twenty 
percent is going to be really tough because that's the thing that the because framework didn't think of. And that's where your business logic is. Mm -hmm. Saying that you can abstract your business idea down to something that is a framework that's intended for whoever on the web, mm -hmm. it, it's, that's misleading. That, that's just, it's, you're, like you said, it's going to get you 80% because 80% of what, what web software is, is all the same. You really think it even gets you that much? I, I don't. So it's more like plus or minus? 60-something, yeah. 70? Yeah. Well, we, we literally saw that with this project, right? Yeah. NativeScript got us to X. About 70%. And we had to do that last percentage in the native iOS and Android, you know, in Swift and in, and in Java. We had to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and if we didn't know those platforms what would we have done? It would have cost us money, right? We would have had to have gone out and hired someone to do that, which cuts into our margins. Yeah. Yeah. Or we, we would have been back to native iOS, native Android, and every time we wanted to add a feature, we would have had to do it in both places. Um, so I think, I think from our perspective, in general, we're not fans of frameworks, in case you couldn't tell that from this conversation. <laughs> Native script definitely has a place, um, but I don't think it supplants knowing the underlying technologies that you're working with still. Because for us, understanding um, uh, the auto layout stuff in iOS mm -hmm. totally changed the way that I wrote the UI in native script. Mm -hmm. Like I thought about it differently, right? Because you knew how. Because it was I knew have to be how it was going to be translated underneath the covers. Yep. Now, fortunately, that also translated pretty well in Android, which we don't we don't have collectively among us as much Android development experience as we do iOS experience. But that's mostly because we just have had a lot more contracts doing mm -hmm. iOS development. Um, I have a lot more Java background than I think. Did, did you ever write in Java? Yeah, you did Java. So we have Java background. It's just how does this SDK translate all that, whatever. Um, anyway, I, th I think NativeScript is absolutely a player um, in the world of you know, taking these two very disparate systems and creating a single system. But I don't think it removes the, the need for the knowledge of the underlying systems. Right. And I think that's what we would say about any framework. If, if you're developing in Angular and you don't know JavaScript, I don't know how you expect to be successful. Right. Like, I really don't. Well, it, Angular uh, isn't a language as much as people want to think that it is or relate it. to it like it is. They keep, it's not, you know, they keep, Angular JS is different, completely different from Angular 2, and then they keep adding numbers to it I can't keep track of. But um, I think it, Grant summarized it perfectly the other yeah. day. He said, you got to know the fundamentals. Yeah. If you don't know the fundamentals, how can you expect to build anything great? Yeah regardless of the platform or framework or whatever. Just get more monitors. Yeah, you can always get more monitors. <laughs> Six monitors, four lines of code. That's all you need. Yep. And you're good. <laughs> in two weeks. In two weeks. All that in two weeks. Two weeks, 10 grand. All right, so this has been the Rika Show. We've been talking about NativeScript, frameworks, a little bit about sort of software industry in general. Kind um, of our general grievances against Yeah, this has been <laughs> a little bit of, of a bitch session. We're just going to be honest about that. But, you know, hey, that's what makes it fun. And it will make for great pop-up video content. I'm just saying there's so many things going on in my brain right now. Pop-up. <laughs> All right, you guys, thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Rika Show. 
visit us at rikatech.com for more fun with technology. Catch you next time.